welcome everybody to the Magic Beans podcast. We are back again for episode number 40. Nice big number there, pretty happy with that one. I'm your host and my name is Shorty and tonight I have yeah a few beans with me. So we have Chewy on the line. How you going Chew? I'm well, how are you? Pretty good. We also have Cracker. How you going Cracker? Very well, thank you mate. And we also have Stu. How you going Stu? Yeah, good thanks mate. Good to hear. So four of us tonight. Uh, pre- pretty decent sized crew. We've uh, we've got a fair few topics to cover tonight, so uh, hopefully we don't all go on crazy random tangents and and get sidetracked and end up doing a three hour podcast. Because no promises, I'm, I'm not editing that. <laughs> Might be Chewy's turn this week to to edit the podcast. What do we reckon? Um, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> just three hours of crack. What are we talking about tangents? Yeah, here we go. Good thing I'm here to keep us all on track. Yeah, yeah. All right, so yeah, we, we do have a uh, have a lot to talk about tonight. Our, our main focus for tonight is going to be the historic format with uh, with what's coming up in the next, well, this weekend, actually. So, but uh, before we get into that, Chewy, you've got uh, you to tell everybody about our lovely sponsors. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, like week two, it feels very real now. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, the Magic Beans podcast is brought to you by Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. Uh, Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar is a Facebook auction page. You can find them on Facebook just by searching Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. How many times can I say Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar? Uh, so yeah, they, uh, they are sponsoring our league, which we'll, uh, we'll, we'll touch on. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, a couple of us got some, uh, some deliveries this week from uh, from some auction wins. Uh, I got some uh, some upgrades to my cube and some commander decks, which I'm pretty excited about. And of course, the uh, the custom tokens that they they send you. I got a sweet angel token, which is uh, I've yeah, asked for that. Great. Yeah, I uh, I have sublime epiphany. Uh, and no, th- sorry, that's not the that's the name of the card I got, not the enchantment. The enchantment that makes <laughs> angels, so that's pretty good. Uh, and then yeah, a couple of foils. I got a commander damage and a and a germ token from a batter skull, which is amazing. So um, yeah, you can get some amazing bargains um, through through Josh and Pat's. But uh, aside from just being able to have you know auctions every night, premium auctions on the weekend, um, they and you know some real bargains that you, you can pick up there through the nature of it just being an auction. Uh, they are the only auction site that have got a, like a full-time auctioneer, which means that, you know, it's somebody's literal job. They're dedicated to making sure that, you know, things things are posted uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, they are packaged uh, amazingly. The communication is uh, exactly what you want as somebody buying you know, potentially expensive cards. They are they're a really tight ship. So, um, yeah, check them out on the uh, on, on Facebook, Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. Uh, tell them that we sent you, and um, yeah, and they are uh, they are sponsoring our our league, which is uh, which is incredible. So uh, they're putting up the prize money in the box of M twenty one. It's a free league, you know. So what more can you want? So get into that. So uh, Stu, you got some deliveries this week as well, I think. Yeah, I did. I got a couple of the Borderless Altar Cultivates, which very are nice. very just nice. so nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah very good. And, and um, so and- with that, sorry, I also got the uh, a th- custom threat token, which we're going to throw on Shorty every time we play Commander. Dude, I love that. <laughs> that looks so good. You put yeah, that on me awesome. the other night, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's... Uh- 
I, I need a uh, the Beavis and Butthead. Are you threatening me? Response to that. Maybe I'll, maybe <laughs> maybe that's the uh, maybe there's a an idea for you for the next custom token there, um, Josh and Pat. So <laughs> I think so. So yeah, check them out uh, and tell them that uh, the beans sent you because uh, then they'll know that uh, you know. Uh, we actually have listeners. We actually have listeners and they'll keep sponsoring our leagues and uh, it's a win-win for everybody, right? That'll yeah, be great. Yeah, very yeah. good. All right, Pretty speaking cool. of our league, so, uh, yeah, we, we talk about our leagues quite a bit, but, uh, yeah, we finally got our August league underway and, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going gangbusters, which is really good. Been a, a lot of matches played and, uh, Stu, you can give, give us a bit of a rundown on how things are going in it. Yeah, so the league's really taken off. Uh, probably picked up a little bit quicker than I thought it would after things were a little bit slow with the last league. Yeah. But at the moment, we've had 72 matches out of 264 played. So that's in the, the first week of the week and a half. Yeah, yeah. Smashing group, it. Group C got got rolling. We played, I'm in Group C and Chewy, you're in Group C. Group. It's the worst group. Uh, group, group C is, I, I saw a tweet from the from POTUS saying that uh, Group C is is the best group and all other groups are fake groups, apparently. <laughs> so uh, so it's, uh, it I mean, must it's be facts. It's a must double-edged be. sword, that one, though. Like, sure, it's <laughs> nice having having a tweet from a high-profile guy, but it's POTUS. So. <laughs> yeah. But um, so we've had Group A with 20 matches, Group B with 13, Group C with 27, and Group D with 12. Yeah, smashing it. Catch up, everybody. Catch up the other yeah. groups. Come on. Yeah, no, it's um, it's going really well. And at the moment, so well, I thought I'd uh, cover off just the the early group leaders. And there's oh, a nice. few There's a few familiar names at the top of sort of each group. Group A, we've got uh, Child Rebel Walker with uh, five wins and two losses. And Group just B can't stay away from the top of the ladder. That guy. Uh, just just bubbles super to the consistent. Yeah. And Benny R sitting at 3-1 at the top of Group B currently. Yeah, that's our reigning champion from the last league. And in Group C, Plunks has started red hot sitting at 5-0. and zero. Has not taken a loss. Wow. Considering the quality of players in, in Group C, like that's, a, that's an achievement. Don't you well, think he, you? he hasn't played me yet. So. I was going to say, oh, did okay. he beat you guys yet or what? So yeah, I'm, he beat I'm, me. He beat me. Okay. I'm just behind him <laughs> with five wins and two losses. So, you know. And Group D, and I'm not really comfortable with talking about Group D, but <laughs> Shorty's currently on top with five and three. To, to be fair, like... He's the only one who's played matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's played a he lot of matches, not one five matches more. <laughs> He's, yeah. He has played five matches more than the next, which is well, if, Cracker if, at 2-1. Two, two if Group D needed any more motivation to play, it's to like knocking Shorty off the off the perch. Yes, do it, be, do. Like I can't imagine. I that's you know, hey, prize money bit. aside. I yeah, beat yeah. him. Yeah, you did. Good you did. stuff, You're, Cracker. Yeah. You, you can I'm be an honorary Group C member, Although, which is good. <laughs> if I could interject just for a second, no. <laughs> the only thing more satisfying than beating Shorty in the group stage is beating him in the finals. So, if he gets I, uh, there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. Um, well, let's talk very quickly. I know we do have a lot to get through, but let's. we did talk about it on the cast last week, but the incentive for playing all of your matches uh, is is real, right? There's a... Uh, there's... Every match that you play, every match win that you accumulate will... Uh, accrue points for qualification to the Magic Beans Invitational, which is in November, right? So there'll be another league, I believe, between this one and 
and the Invitational. Yep. And um, so plenty of time to rack up those qualification points. Any beans that are uh, that have qualified will pass down their their invites. So uh, it's basically wide open. So even if this is your first league or you're listening to this and you're like, this league sounds sweet, what can I do? Like get on the next one. And we we won't we won't give away what it is, but we we did see some uh, some pretty sweet uh, prizes uh, given uh, given up for uh, for the invitation. We did see some shiny cards, but then there was a little little behind the scene. There's a little stash of uh, something something amazing. So uh, that's all I'll say on it. But I I say get on get on these leagues, play all your matches, and and do what you can to qualify because uh, uh, a free league, awesome. Uh, Worst, absolute worst case, you don't win a match and you get a thousand gems. Win, win, or lose, win. That's the case, maybe. <laughs> uh, and and then if you if you do manage to qualify for the invitational uh, prizes to be confirmed, we did see some. Was it a foil horizon canopy yeah, and an OG jewel? Yeah, plateau. Yep. Yeah, Ki- um, very kindly donated by uh, by Maddie, absolute legend. Thanks, Maddie. Wow. Yeah. Maddie, yeah. Maddie, Thanks, buddy. Maddie donated the box for the first league that we ran. And he also donated the scolding time for the bushfire event. Yeah, so yeah. absolute Legend. friend of the podcast, Matt. So yeah, really appreciate you, uh, you doing that. So if you're in Matt's group, I'm not sure exactly what group he's in and you're playing, make sure you, you thank him because, uh, yeah, he's a big part of what we're doing here. Group A and for Matty. Group A. Yeah, group A. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, there's some, there's some sweet swag, uh, coming for the, uh, for the indie. So. Yep. Yeah. So Stu, I think uh, I think you've had a bit of fun with your matches. <laughs> fun in in air quotes. Uh, you you've been lamenting a, a game that you had recently. So we thought we would go into a bit of a, a highlight low light part of the August <laughs> League discussion, and I don't really have any highlights other than sitting five two, quite comfortable. It's nice, but I have one low light in particular. Actually, I have two. <laughs> one of them completely out of my control and the other one uh, just a huge whiff slash punt on my behalf highlighting two aspects of magic that I, I don't know I guess there's an RNG side of things and then there's a sometimes you just suck <laughs> right well when I say you I mean me so what so happened we, we, oh, okay so what happened I'm play, I was playing against a broom and <laughs> Earlier, a couple of days before, he was busy getting stuck into Chewy because he'd beaten him every time they've played. So I, I said, you haven't beaten me. I've beaten, you know, to De Broom. And all of a sudden, I'm playing him in this match. And he dropped two Crystalline Giants. And they okay. went, to, went to start of combat or pre-combat. And they both rolled Hexproof. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't do anything with them. And yeah, you're, he, you're think, playing mono green. Uh, no, I was playing uh, band ramp. Okay, so you know, I had lots of things that can target them. You know, I also had shatters, but they were nowhere to be seen. But yeah, they both rolled with hexproof. I had to keep checking that I wasn't clicking on the same card twice. <laughs> <laughs> it was unbelievable. That's great. And nice. then, you know, just to add insult to injury, I think it was the same game. Uh, he had. He had a green threat out, and I, I pulled a glass casket off the top of my deck. I'm like, beautiful. We can get back into this. We'll, well, I think it was a questing beast. And I cast it. I'm like, no, no, it wasn't a questing beast. It had to have been a two cost because I couldn't, I couldn't target it. And anyway, I then realized that I'd resolved an, um, an Elspeth Conquer's death instead of my glass casket. 
Just so, dragged, dragged the wrong card out. Dragged the wrong card out, didn't even spot it. And yeah, but been there, done that. I think that the the auto-tapper is, uh, is caught me out in that yeah. a couple so, of times. To, yeah. So I hit absolutely nothing. And then I, I had enough mana to hit my glass, use my glass casket anyway. So I still did. But on the subsequent turn... Our mate De Broom, he he's playing a, a spicy mono green slash artifact deck. But yeah, the, the subsequent turn he threw down an Ugin. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that Elspeth Conquers Death's just on the board going It just just taunting me. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So Ouch. I well, I punted myself out of that match to some extent, but at the same time De Broom played a great game and I think he had me anyway. Well, my I'll, I'll talk about my. Uh, that's a good segue. That my my low light uh, so far is uh, the last couple of leagues I have lost to De Broom. So I'm very much becoming his bunny, and uh, <laughs> I uh, that's a low light for me because you know um, he's pretty good at the banter, uh, and uh, he certainly reminded me a couple of times that he beat me. So uh, next uh, next league, De Broom, I'm uh, I'm coming for you, mate. Don't worry about that. Um, but a, uh, the highlight for me has been the sort of intergroup banter, which has completely been 100% incited by me. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the us and them to, you know, get matches finished and, uh, who, who's got the, the better quality players and, and such as, um, has, has been some fun, lighthearted, um, some just bants on the, uh, on the Discord. I've, I've really enjoyed that. So, uh, everybody's kind of, you know, Either laughing with me or at me, I, I don't mind. They're laughing and that's good. So um, I've I've really enjoyed that. So yeah, that that's yeah my high and low lights of the league so far. Cool. Yeah, it's been good. Uh, yeah, leagues leagues kicking off quickly. Um, yeah, I think Cracker, you've only played a couple of games, so you need to you need to step up there. But we do played still have three. <laughs> yeah, we do still have four and a bit weeks. We've got basically a month until the end of the league. So there's plenty of time for everyone to get their matches in. Try not to leave them to the last minute. But uh, yeah, there's a few people that have played almost all of their matches already, so uh, they're just going to be hanging out for the next, you know, four weeks waiting for the the league to finish so they can find out if they're they're in the finals or not. But as Chewie said, make sure you do play out all your matches so hopefully you can qualify for the Beans Invitational when we run run that uh, later on in the year. Yeah, it's going to be epic. Yeah. So this weekend just gone, we saw the Players Tour Finals. So. This was a, a pretty major event. Um, this was meant to obviously be a paper tournament, and it was kind of the culmination of uh, a, a bit of a season of players' tours, where uh, you know the top finishers, like the I think like the top four or the winners or something like that, from the players' tours that have been held pretty much since the start of the year, I think, uh, all qualified for this finals event, along with the rivals and MPL players. So. Bit of a small field. I think there's about 150 players in this, uh, but it's you know if if you qualify for this, you are a you're a top level player. You, you've got to qualify for multiple events just to get to the players tour, and then winning or doing really well at that to qualify for this event is is no mean feat. So you can definitely say it is a is a strong field. So yeah, that that was held this weekend, and yeah, obviously due to coronavirus and the way the world is at the moment, they couldn't run the paper event. They had to run it online. So. They did similar coverage to how they've done it for the last few, but I think this time they had everyone streaming just straight into Discord, pretty much the same way that we've run our league finals. So good to see you. Wizards welcome, is, Wizards. You're yeah, welcome. Le- learning a few things from us. But uh, yeah, it's a, the coverage was a little bit 
easier for them to control. They weren't just picking up random people's streams on Twitch and, and things like that. So I don't know if you, any of you guys got to watch much on the weekend. I, I watched a little bit myself. Some, not a lot. Yeah. It we, didn't were you really interested in watching it or you just didn't have time? Didn't really care. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, every time I dialed in, it was a team of wreck mirror. So <laughs> I was pretty flat with that. Yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> Uh, you know, a lot of people have been talking about that, the, the way standard is at the moment. I mean, we've been sort of saying it for a while that we're kind of fine with standard because we see a, a wide variation of decks and you can kind of play whatever you want. But at that high level and especially a small field like that, you're likely going to end up with a metagame like what we saw. So safe to say Team Rec or, or Reclamation decks, Wilderness Reclamation decks were the talk of the, the weekend. Yeah, 79 copies out of 145 decks. That's 54% of the field. There were two variations. There was the Teamer version and then a four-color version that was splashing for Teferi and I think Dovin's Veto. Is that that right? Yeah, so it was the Reclamation deck to beat the other Reclamation Yeah, yeah, like the the Mirror Breaker. So, yeah, there was a lot of Teamer Reclamation Mirrors or Reclamation Mirrors, which are not the most exciting matches to to watch. They are so So, dull. Yeah, it's not, not surprising. I think... The few times that I tuned in, the viewer numbers were around like the 9,000, 10,000 mark, which is still a lot of people, but normally like old school pro tours and things like that would be sitting at like 50,000. That was pretty normal. So um, yeah, definitely definitely viewer numbers down and, and not surprising with standard that uh, yeah, a lot of the really competitive players seem to be over. Um, so what did we see in the uh, in the top eight? Lots of uh, lots of reclamation. Uh, yeah, uh, I think four of the eight uh, were had wilderness reclamation in their um, in their seventy five. Uh, yeah. I think there was a, a, a two two split between the the uh, teamer and the four color. I believe. Yep. Yeah, uh, and then there was kind of a couple of decks that were there to target the reclamation decks, like Mardu, Winoda, and Mono Black Agro, and then yeah, a couple of I guess on Jun Sacrifice is never a surprise. It's just a good deck um, that, that kind of has a good matchup against the field. So that 50-50 classic Jun things, right? And then, yeah, Blue-White Control, uh, I think, is uh, not a deck people were expecting to see, but something that's packing four, four, four Teferis against a uh, field of Reclamation is probably going to do well. <laughs> yeah, that was Raf, Raf Levy uh, top eight with that. He, he, he got the list off of... Uh, Gabriel Nassif, as uh, as Gabriel Nassif is known for being a blue white control player, basically went into the tournament with almost no reps and uh, yeah, top eighted. So it <laughs> just goes to show when you're, good, when you're a good player, you can you can just win. <laughs> so yeah. if you if you're a good player and you make a good deck choice, yeah, things are a lot easier. Um, yeah, yeah. Raf Levy's you know is in the Hall of Fame for Hall a reason. Yep. Yeah, Raf Levy has missed two Pro Tours total, and one of them was because he had a kid that weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like since <laughs> since the start, he's been to every yeah, single he's been one for a long time. So he's stalwart, yeah, yeah. Yep. He's a, he's a gun. I think the other deck that was a surprise in the top eight was the Mardu Winota deck, which is a little bit of spice. Uh, from from what I've heard, the the guy that built it had been streaming it like all week or for for sort of two weeks leading up to it, specifically targeting Team Rec. And yeah, I think just nobody. Nobody respected it, and uh, yeah, it, it had a really good Team of Rec matchup, and yeah, obviously probably played uh, you know eighty percent of matches against Team of Rec, and uh, yeah, did did really well. So, I wonder if because you know 
Winota has that reputation for just being a, a high variance deck. And I, I don't have the deck list in front of me, but I wonder if they've just built like a good Mardu, Mardu aggro deck that incidentally is able to abuse Winota. So I think that would be the key to decks like that. If you can make it a good deck without drawing Winota, uh, then, um, you know, you're probably going to go, uh, you know, your win percentage is going to go up, right? Oh, yeah. is is uh, Lazatap Reaver known as a staple card? <laughs> because I have the deck list in front of me. They've got they've got freebooters. They've got only one Knight of the Ebon Legion. They're playing Razy Alarms. It's it's, it's a strange. It's some list. spice, man. Like I would go look at it. I'm not going to run through every card now. But yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. put a link in the show notes. <laughs> no, no, you can find it. Just go to Goldfish. Go, go to Goldfish. You'll find it there. <laughs> they are playing four Loxodons though, so they are trying to go tall as well. Yeah, and and Judiths to get around sweepers and things. Uh, I've played pings. I've played against a similar deck on ladder a couple of times actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah it seems seems good. Yeah, Powerful. it's got it's got that you know you're playing raise the alarm which is instant speed to non-human tokens despite the fact that they're white soldiers that really should be white human soldiers. So you can you know end of end of your turn raise the alarm get two tokens untap play Winoda, attack get two triggers. And then you just kind of snowball from there with the the creatures that you're getting, yeah. Like Ju- Judith pumps your team and protects you a little bit from board wipes, and Basri's lieutenants put counters on your dudes, and Kite Sail Freebooter pulls things out of your opponent's hands. So, yeah, it's, it's, it just kind of snowballs pretty quickly, sort of out of nowhere because of, especially because of Raise the Alarm being instant speed. But yeah, we're not really here to talk about standard. It's it's interesting format, but uh, the um, the top eight for this event is actually going to be played this weekend. It's they uh, they didn't do it on the same weekend. I think it might be a coverage reason. I think they're wanting to actually get the the top eight players uh, set up with cameras and all that sort of stuff properly. So could be some good coverage for the top eight. And you know, it's yeah, there's four reclamation decks, but there's a two and two split of the versions, and then you have got four different other decks. So the, the top eight might actually be interesting to watch this weekend. The couple of weekends before that, though, we had a couple of the Red Bull untapped events that I don't think any of us ended up playing in, did we? Nope. No. No, I didn't make it. Yeah, I had sort of intentions on it, but never actually got around to it. But, uh, yeah, they were very much dominated by Team Arec as well. I know one of them had six Team of Reclamation decks in the top eight. So it seems that uh, when Wizards banned uh, Fires of Invention, they really probably should have banned the other four mana enchantment that doubles your mana. And what does was- Song of Creation ever do to anybody? <laughs> that does not double your mana. <laughs> makes you discard your hand. Yeah, it just lets you draw a lot of cards. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Wizards do. There's not much point in speculating. Nothing. We've got, like, not yeah, we've got two months till rotation, so it's likely it'll just sit there and do nothing, and Historic's going to be the focus for the next couple of months, so... But, uh, yeah, speaking of Wilderness Reclamation that is destroying formats, there's another format that it also seems to be on its way to destroying, and that is Historic. So, mm-hmm. Cracker, you want to give us a rundown? We've got the Historic Open coming up this we weekend. So it's this weekend. Yeah, give, give us a bit of a rundown on what that is. So, the the Open, the Arena Open is is the second time they've run this. It's two, two, two one-day events. So, the, the day one event is best of one in Historic. It starts from good old 1am Saturday morning for us. <laughs> Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, it is Sunday morning, isn't yeah, it? Oh, yeah. that's even worse. Yep. And then ends at 9pm on Sunday night. And then if you go seven wins and maximum of two losses, you qualify for day two. And then day two is actually best of three in standard. 
which is interesting. But there it is. Is it standard? Yeah. That's confusing. No, it's it's best of three historic. I swore it. No, mm. yeah, I'm reading it now. It's best of three historic. That, that would just be weird to have <laughs> different formats. It's weird enough that day, day one is best of one and, and day two is best of three. Okay, never mind. It's just a typo in Wizards page that says day two will- So oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. So it says best of, th- best of three historic is the constructed format. And then it says day two will consist of best of three standard construction matches. <laughs> so I- Yeah. All right. So it is historic all the way through, which makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So it is the same as before. So it's a 20,000 gold entry or 4,000 gems. You can enter as many times as you want. And it's a race to seven wins or three losses, whichever comes first. There are varying prizes from three wins plus up to 2,000 gems for seven wins. And then you queue for day two. And if you go seven wins in day two, you get two grand uh, US. And actually, Zendikar Rising Qualifier weekend eligibility if you get uh five six and seven wins so that's new last time there was just Mm. cash prizes and it looks like they've actually made some of the payout for day two in the gems a little higher as well yeah it does look a bit higher don't remember them being twenty thousand for ten for five wins and ten thousand for four i think that they were quite a bit lower than that but anyway that's cool that they're starting to we chatted about this before how they need to start with a new organized play system and this is how they can do that, where you start rewarding people and getting them into these larger events through different ways because we don't have PTQs anymore, right? There's no, none of those kind of um, in-person qualifier events. So this is one of the ways that they're looking to start filtering people in, which is cool. Yep. So Go back and listen to last week's episode. Yeah, basically. Um, there's also entry rewards. So for the last one, there was the Godzilla Basics, Godzilla Art Style Basic Lens. Uh, this time you get different alternate card styles. So there's one for Isamaru, there's one for Kira the Great Glass Spinner, one for Languish, one for Grim Lava Mancer, and one for Thragtusk. If you don't know what those cards are, that's because they're old. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Languish. Um, I guess that's- That was, the, that was our Origins, most, I think. Yeah, that's the most recent card. But they've all been released in Jumpstart. So <sighs> Historic is interesting. I've been playing a bit, actually. I jumped on last night and just jammed for a while to kind of see where things were at so I could talk about it a little bit tonight. And on stream last week, I brewed up a is it pyromancer list with, with the help of stream and it's too slow. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, we're playing, uh, the idea was we'd bin chickens, right? We're trying to get the phoenix into the graveyard and then back out again and- I had, I had a beautiful turn. I, I had a Pyromancer down for a couple of turns and I managed to get a couple of Arclight Phoenixes in the bin and I, you know, I had a bunch of tokens and I smacked my opponent for six in the air and then they went, uh, untap Ugin. And I was like, all right, game over. <laughs> <laughs> Another game I had, my opponent went untap, cast Massacre Worm. I took uh, 10 damage from <laughs> all my X1s. Another game, I had someone untap and play a Goblin Chain Wheel. I was just like, oh my goodness. All right, so pro tip, everybody. Young Pyromancer tokens, not good right now. Unfortunately, it's it's not where you want to be. It's not, but not, the, the, not powerful enough. No, it's not. And look, I didn't think it was, and I was playing it because, I mean, I can't get any lower. I'm in the bottom, <laughs> in the bottom of platinum right now. Sorry, just <laughs> so I can't I can't fall through into gold again, which makes me happy. Thankfully, yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> I would be back into silver after last night. Yeah. Everything is is like I'm, I'm playing best of one, but everything is aggressive, right? One of the 
if you've paid any attention to, to Historic at all, uh, goblins, right, is, is a big thing at the moment. There's the six-mounted goblin that Muxus. puts- Muxus. yeah, the grand something or other. Yeah, he puts a lot of power into play really quickly. So, there's- the format is, is aggressive, particularly in best of one, but, I mean, you're also just getting the most powerful decks from standard ported back. And as we all know, standard from the last 12, 18 months has been particularly powerful. 2020 and 2019 Magic is kind of been amped right up, and then you just get better mana. <laughs> you just get, you know, like some cycle lands and some fast lands and that kind of stuff, and it's just... Or the check lands, sorry, they're not the fast lands, aren't they? Yeah, they're the check lands. So, um... So you you play best of one. Everything's quite mm-hmm. aggressive. The arena open day one is best of one. Is best of one. So correct. There's a bit of an indication there, I guess, for people thinking about joining that event as yep. to what they need to prepare for, right? Yeah, so- yeah, absolutely. So the first thing you need to do is uh, win the die roll. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so be be on the play, and you. I've heard a few people talking about historic and kind of what a deck needs to be good to be successful. It needs to put early pressure on the board. It needs to be able to control the mid game a little bit, and it needs to have a combo finish. Now, there's lots of different ways that you can like approach those kinds of things. So one of the decks I played a bunch is mono red, right? You get early aggression. You then can control the board with burn spells in the middle, and you can have like a combo finish with a frenzy and, you know, Steamkin, runaway Steamkin, right? To just produce a lot of mana and kind of just, you have that one or two big turns right at the end where you can, you know, pile on those last few points of damage. So when you, when you talk about that, uh, as a concept and you think about the decks that are successful, so, uh, you have a a pretty good mono red aggro deck in goblins that can just do busted things with Muxus and Skirt Prospector. Correct. Uh, there's the Kethus combo, which would take four years to explain how it works <laughs> uh it takes te- four years to play it as well yeah team of reclamation which doesn't really do all early pressure but it's got stemming early pressure K- kind of it it relieves early pressure right relieves it, early so pressure. It, yeah. it controls the battlefield quite well from early on with things like F- flame sweep and um aether gust and borrowers and those kinds of yeah, and got, sharks as got, well uh, magma quake as well in yes uh, in historic, which is yeah, been printed in in Jumpstart, which is yeah, X, X red red and instant magma quake deals X damage to each creature without flying and each planeswalker. So yeah, it's a scalable board wipe that uh, yeah definitely helps team of red. And, and when, when you're board. able to double your mana, it's pretty good. Yeah, and and I guess the the, the red aggressive decks, be they mono red or, or gruel, um, if they if they're not using the uh, the combo that you mentioned with the Frenzy. Frenzy, yeah, that's sorry. Name escaped no, me for you're a bit. Right. They're, they're, they're putting Ember Cleaves on stuff, I was gonna which say, is kind Ember of a combo. Ember is, is almost a combo finish as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So and then Bankolos, Bola Citadel. There's lots of things that uh, are able to yeah have that, that, that fit that description, like you said, right? So Yeah. And that's why, like, a deck that I was playing with, um, with Is It Phoenix, right? Early pressure, great. It's got some mid-game control, sure. We've got some interactive spells, and then I just lose. <laughs> like it's just it's, and, and honestly I mean like apart from getting blown out early a couple of times which like whatever that happens the deck just doesn't meet the requirements for that third thing and it's the same thing with um, mono blue tempo I've played a bunch of that as well right you can put some early aggression down you can control the board with you know bounce spells and counter magic but you have no big finish and it's it's interesting to see that that's kind of it seems like those might be some of the rules that you need to pay attention to around What's going on? 
with 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 historic. Um, one deck I did run into last night, and I've actually seen on on a couple of people's streams, was this self mill deck where they are playing a card called Scholar of the Lost Trove. Oh, that's, that's the one I played against on stream. Yeah, buddy. So they they basically mill themselves <laughs> no a idea bunch. What was going on? <laughs> they pay, they mill themselves a bunch with like Merfolk Secret Keeper and a Stitcher Supplier and you know like diligent excavator and all those kinds of things right they're going pretty deep in terms of just self-mill and the idea is that they mill a rise from the dark realms which is a nine mana spell which puts all creatures from the battle all graveyards onto the battlefield under your control seems pretty good uh and then scholar talking your language man talking your language (laughs) and then scholar of the lost trove which is a seven mana five five Sphinx that lets you cast an instant or sorcery from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. So the, the the game plan is to just dump as much of your deck into your graveyard as you can. I'm in. And then part of the the way that you win is you um you either hard cast um burial rights from hand or you can flash it back. And so then you target the five five, which then enters the battlefield, which then targets um Rise from the Dark Realms, which brings back, you know, whatever, infinite power. So, if we want to give advice to people that are thinking about playing in this event, we've given a uh, some criteria that your mm-hmm. deck needs to meet. Um, but this is uh, on when you move to best of three after you you know you, you you play the right deck, you you crush day one, and then you get to best of three. Uh, you need to have some probably some graph diggers cage in your sideboard because it hits the. Um, the Muxus deck, yeah, yep. hits the goblins as, as well as the the Kethis and the um, the sacrifice decks, the, the sacrifice decks, all the rest of it as well. So, um, yeah, like we can talk about the decks, but you know, people want to people want to know, you know, what what do I do? What am I going to play? They're looking for some advice there. I, I don't think we can say play this deck or that deck, but no. play play a deck that fits the criteria of having uh, early game pressure or effectively relieves early game pressure can control the mid game and has a combo finish and then have some graveyard interaction in your sideboard, which seems like obvious, but, but Grafdigger's cage especially hits multiple T1 decks. So it's an important card to have in your, in your sideboard when you're, uh, when you're putting that together. So absolutely. And then, you know, like we've talked about some of the other decks that are particularly good at the moment are like Simic Ramp, right? They're still just doing Nissa, Hydroid Crisis, um, Ugin, right? You need to be able to, to get under that is, is one of the other plans. You, you can't go bigger than it. Just no way to go bigger than Ugin, <laughs> really. <laughs> and then the other one is, as, as we said, you know, like either Teamer or Four Color Wreck. And most of the Wreck builds you'll find these days have actually moved to playing um, Field of the Dead as well. So that can be really... Yeah, man, they're just, just combining, you know, the greatest hits of standard for the last year and a half or whatever. And like I said, right, it's just, it's the same deck, but with better mana. So they've got Uros and Growth Spirals and Explores. And so they get to field zombies really fast. Yeah, ex- Explore is a big, big get for, for Team well, it's Wreck. Just, for, it's um, eight copies, right, of that effect now. You're just drawing cards and playing lands. So it's it's not hard for them to have, like, turn three to start making zombies. It's like, you know, they go, what, turn one grazer turn to spiral or explore you know they've got up to five lands before you you know six then lands before you then along comes nissa on top of yeah, that as or, well or and- uro exactly nissa into yeah so you need to wait it's tricky because the way you kind of were able to go under those decks 
in standard is just by being aggressive. Like Mono White recently has done quite well against Team Rec, right? It had some good results over the weekend and things like that. And it seems to be like that might be the way to beat it. But you just can't beat a horde of zombies with with those kind of ground-based creature decks. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah, they just they gum up the board so quick, and yeah, yeah you just just in trouble. They also kill you so quick as well. Like once you, once you've got four or five zombies going, like all of a sudden, you're, yeah, I'll take six. That's fine. Um, oh, now I'm taking eight. Now you know, now I'm dead. Right. So <laughs> it. it's a uh, uh, especially when you've got things that you know the ability to play multiple lands in a turn, like the the growth spiral Uro effects, yeah. and there's twelve of them now. Right. So yeah, yeah. yeah but then you just go. Oh, I'm going to play a field of the dead, and that's like two zombies or four zombies or, or like six or whatever it is just out of one card. So like it, those decks lack bad top decks at a certain point, you know, and it's, it's not like, it's not like blue white control, which is a deck, um, you know, like that's a thing that you'll probably run into as well. You know, they've got access to absorb and veto and, and there's lots of different counter spells and things now, but that takes much longer for them to stabilize and turn the corner. These decks just, they, they turn it as you're still getting set up sometimes. So, and I think that's, that's the power of it, right? Where you, you're not doing anything. You're not pivoting from from your game plan. You're just playing a land, which is your game plan. Yeah. Like the deck plays like 28 lands and wants to play land or multiple lands every turn. The list I'm so, looking at is playing 30. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, because it's, it's threats. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Well, your, land, your lands yeah. effectively are spells. So yeah. playing more is good for you. And yeah, when you're playing Uro, Explore and... Uh, growth spiral that all want you to have lands in your hand so you can put them into play off their abilities. You you want to make sure you've always got multiple lands in your hand, and we we saw it in the the players tour finals on the weekend, which was standard. But the the reclamation decks, there was so many times where you know guys like Seth Manfield, world champions, are keeping a hand that is six lands and a growth spiral, and that's that's a snap keep. <laughs> which is crazy, crazy. isn't it <laughs> well seth kept the hand ages ago at one of the invitational events that was literally just lands he didn't cast a spell and he won the game yeah i remember wow. that i watched that <laughs> match. Yeah, just, yeah. right. <laughs> that was just like okay what is going on here oh and and a bunch of these decks sorry are playing golos as well and so there's there's access to um to things like bajuka bog and and there's some more utility lands like yeah, if tools. if you haven't gone through if you're interested in historic and you haven't gone through the cards that have come in in jumpstart you're doing yourself a disservice. There's a lot of really, really powerful things that they've done. There's a lot of chaff as well, like, but they, you know, they added what 300 odd cards in the last three weeks or whatever. There's it was. There's going to be some stuff. gems in there, right? There's there's some there's some really really good stuff. Yeah. Also, despite the fact that I died to it, the ETB effect for Massacre Worm, pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> pretty pretty great. Uh, that yeah. was that was in a Garuda combo deck as well that I, I lost to. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Yep. So we probably should sort of uh, go through some of the main decks that people are going to see. And, and it, this sort of a event is, it's a little bit hard because like you were saying, Chewie, you know, you you play your best of one, but then if you make day two, you also need to play best of three. And Cracker and like you and I both found the same thing when we played the previous one where mm-hmm. like I, I, I entered the last one five times to to make it to seven uh, make it to day two with my seven wins and i just kept having to change my strategy and and look at what i was playing against and just pick the glass cannon deck that was going to beat what i'd what i'd been seeing but then when you hit day two you're playing more of a normal metagame so you can kind of focus a fair bit on the just the best of one but then 
you need something also for <laughs> for day two as well it's, when you're playing it's Vista hard. 3. And, so. and like, Historic is even more wide open. Like, mm. I, I was saying, you know, I, I wrote down a list of decks that I played against last night in like an hour and a half, and there was like 10 different decks, and that was like the ones that I could identify. There were still other ones that was like a Saltai deck. I have no idea what they played because, you know, they died, fortunately for me, before <laughs> before they got to do much, right? But I mean, there's, there's literally just- I don't think you can try and metagame, and I think you, you're doing it wrong if you try. Yeah. I think you just need to pick something that you, you like, you think is good, something that kind of follows those rules we were talking about. It needs to be super proactive, and then either think of a really good sideboard to match that and hope that you can, you know, steal game one, and then, you know, you've got a couple of games to try and pick up your, your, your second win, and just build into the your sideboard, you know, the tools to, to let you try and compete against some of these things that are likely to kind of rise to the top. Yeah. You, there's also like a lot of these top decks that we'll probably talk about in a minute. A lot of them are using quite a few cards from Jumpstart. And unless you've played a ton of Jumpstart in the last couple of weeks, you probably don't have a lot of those cards, which means you need to burn a lot of wild cards to to build those decks. So that's also a massive constraint that we didn't have on the last one because it was just the standard format and, you know, it, it had been around for a little while. So, yeah, it, it's definitely worthwhile. Like, jump onto either, you know, mtgazone.com. They've got a good metagame breakdown as well as MTG Goldfish. Look at the the top decks that are there. And just import some of them into into arena and see what you're close to building that fits your your play style and what you like to do. But yeah, make sure that it is something powerful. But you'll you'll also find I, I would not be surprised at all with an event, especially like this, with historic being a new format where people are just going to brew up something spicy and no one's going to be expecting it, and it's just going to come out of the left field and, and smash people. So if you want to play some spice, go for it as well. So yeah, I thought we'd just sort of go through the main sort of top decks that people are most likely going to see, especially if they do get to day two, because that's that's when you're going to see the real metagame. And yeah, just run through what, what they are, because a lot of them do contain new cards. So we mentioned before Goblins. Goblins is probably one of the top decks alongside Team Erek. And the, yeah, the, the big payoff for Goblins is a card called Muxus. So Muxus is four red red, for four four goblin, when it enters the battlefield, you reveal the top six cards of your library. You put all the goblins you reveal with converted mana cost five or less onto the battlefield. The rest on the bottom of your library, and then when it attacks, it gets plus one plus one till end of turn for each goblin you control. So your deck's obviously chockers full of goblins. Like it literally in the main deck, it plays thirty seven creatures. Yeah, it plays no yeah, no non creature spells. Right, that's yeah. amazing. Yep. So but Jim Palm Incinerator acts is a goblin and is also a removal spell. Yeah. So they have interaction. Yeah. Yep. yep. So they got got a little bit, but not not too much. They mainly they're just trying to do their do their thing, and they can actually do it really quickly. So you've got cards like Skirk Prospector that lets you sacrifice goblins to add red mana. Yeah. Uh, so you can you know get get a couple of goblins out, and you can very quickly hit that six mana that you need to cast your Muxus, and then Muxus is going to reveal you know, three to six goblins most likely. You put them into play. You're playing goblins that give your other goblins haste and, and pump them up. So Muxus also gets haste. What's the one? There's Krinko Mob Boss, which taps to yeah, make goblin one. tokens equal to the number of goblins you have. And yeah. so you they they can go just off. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not uncommon to see, like, turn one Skirt Prospector, turns two Goblin Instigator, turn three land muxus so they'll literally just sacrifice all the creatures that they have in play to prospector to get to six mana and they'll just slam a muxus they also have goblin matron to go find it so 
It's oh. consistent. This looks like a lot of fun. Oh, it is. It's yeah. <laughs> I'm going to punch that it does, in tonight. It does use quite a few rare wildcards. It's wild a lot cards. of new cards from Jumpstart. Yeah, yeah. which yeah, I'll so have gotta, none of. You've got to burn a lot of rares. Yeah, but if you do, if you do Stew, you can really run a Muxus. <laughs> oh. So how do you stop this deck? Like if you're, you know, it's, it's going to be obvious. As soon as your opponent goes Mountain Goblin, straight away you know you're playing Goblins. What are the keys to beating, beating this deck? Obviously, Flame Sweep. Yeah, so ke- keeping their Goblins off the board, especially Skirk Prospector. If you can yep. if you can keep that off the board, then that slows down their mana. The other way is countering the Muxus. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I mean there there is the risk of you know sitting there with two mana up, waiting for him to cast a Muxus whilst everything else just kills you. Yeah, like they are still a decent uh, goblin aggressive deck. They've got lords, they've got hasty goblins, they've got gem palm incinerators. So you you have to still be proactive. So I wouldn't rely on countering. On it. I, like certainly it's an option, but I, I wouldn't have countering one spell out of twenty-seven things that can kill you as a <laughs> um, as 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 my uh, first strategy. No. If, if that if that is the only way your deck can beat goblins, I, I would think about your deck choice. Hence, mono blue, not great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Skirk Prospector, as we said, it's a one mana one one. Um, that lets you sacrifice any goblins to it, including itself, to generate a red mana. That's the key card to keep off the battlefield. The other ones that you need to look for are Goblin Warchief and the Goblin... Oh, I forget the other one. There's another two mana one that makes um, gives all the goblins haste and costs one less. So there's one that pumps their team. The, the haste one is the other one you really want to try and keep off the board, that you can slow them right down with their Muxus turn if you can, if you can do that. I mean, they, they can just hit it. Off Muxus, right? Like, that's just part of what happens. Yeah. So, on the turn that it looks like they're going off, if you can hold up some instant speed interaction, you can buy yourself a little bit, but keeping in mind the, the next turn they can just... I mean, sometimes they just do it again. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> right, you, don't, just, you don't want to let them untap with a Skirk Prospector because, yeah, they correct. will... If, once they hit their main phase with a Skirk Prospector, you're, you're going to be in a lot of trouble, even if mm-hmm. you've got some instant speed interaction. So, the problem yeah. with a card like Flame Sweep, which only does two damage, is... If they hit a couple of lords off of Muxus, all their goblins are out out of range of Flame Sweep anyway. So that's why the the team of decks are playing Magma Quake because they can scale it to to suit what uh, what's going on. Well, let's let's talk about Team Erect then. How do you? Well, like, we just, like, we've spent ages yeah, talking about Team Erect. <laughs> yeah, but how do you how do you beat it? You just play Teferi or you play goblins to get under it, right? <laughs> okay, we can move on from that. Phyrexian Obliterator is a card. Yeah, they have all damage based removal. So, if you don't know what Phyrexian Obliterator is, it's a four mana five five. It's black black. It's four black pips uh, for a five five with uh, trample. And whenever it's still damage, player who dealt it damage sacrifices that many permanents. So um, mono black control, mono black aggro is definitely a deck as well. Um, they play a bunch of disruptive things. They've got things like you know Kitesel Freebooter and Duress, and then they tend to be lower to the ground they tend not to be going up to um gray merchant of ashfordel like they used to gary as he's known and they're just chaining you know obliterators together and like good luck blocking those things <laughs> you just have to race them they can finish the game pretty quickly yeah they do yeah 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 i think t- team i reckon it's it's similar to standard you you kind of just have to be faster and hope that you hope that you what you're doing gets there before they can stabilize and and sort of take over the game. It's uh, I mean, there's a reason why it's the best deck. 
it's just it's very good. So yep, if what you're doing is slow and dirtily and has no way of interacting with with team reclamation, then you, you're not likely to win. I actually really like the, and this is based on just watching uh, both you Cracker and you Shorty stream the other night. Uh, neither of you had a positive matchup against uh, the Gruel aggressive decks. And I've played a bunch of Gruel in Standard, and uh, in Historic, you've got Lanawar Elves. Um, so that that is get, getting the, the job done that turn faster, which is great. Uh, it has that early aggression because it can just play four fours on turn two with Trample. So against Field of the Dead tokens, against a horde of zombies, and against uh, decks like Team Erek, like a, a really early aggressive big army um, always threatening an Embercleave, uh, I, I feel is probably a good place to be from a best of one scenario. So um, I I like that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's the, the right deck or anything, but um, for me going, I've not played a single game of Historic, where do I start? It, I feel it fits those criteria quite well and at least in theory um, has a good matchup against the uh, the decks that we've talked about. So it's got removal spells, it's got bigger creatures. I assume there's some number of questing beasts which, you know, deal with the zombie token problem fairly handily as well. So um, I'd think about that. I, I, I like the idea of, um, you know, putting Embercleaves on Gruul Spellbreakers and, um, you know, whatever else is going on. So yeah, well, I, I, when I was streaming the other night and I was playing the Bant Golos deck, I've played against uh, Gruul three or four times and just got smashed every single time. It was just, it was not even close. Yeah, I mean, they, so I, they banned I like Burning it. Tree from it to slow it down, and it's yeah. still very good. The, the nice thing about Gruul is, um, particularly in sideboard games, you get access to cards like Wilt, and, you know, like there's some more interactive spells that Mono Red misses um, in terms of like enchantment interaction and that kind of stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, so, Stu, you're a little bit like me, and you've never really played a game of Historic. Yeah, haven't touched it. Yeah. So, based on our discussion here, so I've I not played anything. I'm like, I'm looking at the decks and I'm looking at um, MTG Arena Zone and their tier list at the moment. And I'm like, yeah, Gruul. Gruul's where I would start, like level one of, of, um, of playing the format. Um, that's, that's the deck I'm, I'm picking up. What, what's appealing to you? Something completely different or you like stick to something that you've played I in think, standard and just update? What do you think? I think I stick to something that I've even played in a bit of modern, even though it's slightly different. We already covered it in, in Goblins. That just looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> and that's yep. probably where I would go with it if I had the wild cards to put it together. Like, I know most of these cards already. I've played with a lot of them in paper. And, yeah, it, this is where I'd go. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, yep, fair enough. Then Look, the deck's obviously uh, proven and is uh, is pretty good, so why not? It's got that solid... You know, you can, like you were saying before, too, it can just be a beat down. You know, you play goblins, you play other goblins that pump those goblins and you just smash people in the face. But then it also has that, oops, I win button when you cast a Muxus and smash them for 200 or whatever with all your goblins. So, yeah, it, it, it's definitely going to be a very powerful best of one deck. Best of two, uh, best of two. Day two, best of three might might be another, uh, another thing. Um, a few other decks have seen sort of floating around that, also are quite good in best of one that may not be in best of three. You've got the the hoof tokens deck, so the the crater hoof behemoth to- tokens deck. So you're using 
transmogrify and Luca, who we've seen in, in standard to turn your tokens into a, a crater hoof behemoth. So transmogrify is, uh, it's three and a red for a, a spell that basically does Luca's ability. So you, you exile a creature and then you search your library or you reveal cards from the top of your library till you hit a creature card and you put it into play. So crater hoof is, uh, is definitely a, uh, a creature that you want to be hitting and, and these, these decks are only playing Crater Hoof, that's that's the only creature they've got. So Crater Hoof is five green, green, green for a five, five haste. When it enters a battlefield, creatures you control gain trample and get plus X, plus X until end of turn where X is the number of creatures you control. So yeah, it's it's play a few uh, Raise the Alarms and Dragon Fodders and Legion's Landing, things that create tokens. And then you hit four mana, you exile one of those tokens, you put a Crater Hoof Behemoth into play and you swing for a bunch of trampley damage so it's very much glass cannon that's that's literally the only thing this deck does and if people have answers for your tokens you don't do anything because the the decks are usually playing just straight red white they don't play any green sources at all so they have no way of casting cradle for behemoth <laughs> which is always good you know you know you're playing a real combo deck when uh, when that's how you build your decks you, you got off color cards that you can't cast i've actually played against uh a, ver- a modern deck that's very similar to this with Transmogrify with uh, trying to cheat um, Big Emrakul into play. So I'm like, that's really familiar. Uh, yeah, it's uh, he got a game off me, so well done. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, – uh, I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, what is this token? To- oh, <laughs> like you've got an Emrakul now. Yeah. I was uh, – it's a, uh, a really powerful thing to do when it goes off. Uh, but, yeah, very glass cannony. So maybe for maybe for, uh, for best of one. That's yeah, def- the- definitely a good option for best of one. Tricky. If you're playing against it, just hold up a single removal spell. They have to target their creature. Yep. You kill it in response and the spell fizzles. Then they're stuck with a bunch of 1-1s. So, like, when it wins, it wins big. But, yeah, pretty yeah, easy when disrupts. It's the, the spell transmogrify and Luca's ability, they both, yeah. you know, you either cast a spell or you put Luca's ability on the stack and it's targeting a creature. And if you kill that creature or remove it in any way, it fizzles. So, yeah, it's not an additional cost. It's, no. uh, yeah, so it's it's quite easy to disrupt. You just need to be aware, okay, Transmogrify costs four mana, Luca is five mana. Uh, make sure you have your removal for that turn, and then, then you're probably going to be pretty right, and you just never tap out. Make sure you've always got that removal, and you're going to be okay. Yeah, this is an example where you can keep that two mana up. I wouldn't like doing that against goblins. No. Because, uh, yeah. yeah, the rest of the goblins deck is a lot better than the rest of this deck. Yep. So. Kethis combo, <laughs> anyone understand how that deck works yeah nope. <laughs> go on cracker it mills a bunch of stuff into its graveyard and then just does things it's looking at kind of de- <laughs> don't worry about it uh, Look, i believe if, it mills if itself. you play against it just know that you need to interact with a graveyard or you lose <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty it's 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 relatively slow i think is probably worth saying compared to the other decks that we're talking about here it's probably a turn or two slower on average than than all the rest of the decks yeah, so Kethis is a creature that allows you to cast legendary cards, cards from your graveyard. So you can, so you're basically playing a whole bunch of legends and a bunch of self mill stuff, um, a few planeswalkers, that sort of stuff, and and things like Mox Amber. So you can legend rule your Mox Ambers and generate extra mana, and, and then you know recast them from from your graveyard. So yeah, it, it is a combo deck, but it is 100% a graveyard based deck, and it's not super fast, but it can kind of take over the game. So. Same with uh, Through the Breach, uh, Underworld Breach yeah, combo is underworld the same sort of idea. Yep. It's a Jeskai deck, yeah. So 
whatever deck you're playing, you know you want some number of graphic escape. Yeah, come defi- back to that. Definitely for definitely for day it, two, you definitely want to. Yeah, if you at. take away nothing else from from this cast on historic, please uh, please make sure you do that. Yep. So a deck that I'm pretty seriously considering playing is sacrifice, whether it's a, a Jund or a red black version. So I played on stream the other night a fair bit of the the Rakdos sacrifice deck. Um, which is pretty much the same as standard. Uh, you've got Stitcher Supplier just to sort of help fill your graveyard so you can bring back your Woe Striders a bit quicker. And other than that, yeah, slightly better mana because you've got Dragon Skull Summits. And Phyrexian Tower. Yeah, yeah, Phy- Phyrexian Tower, yeah. So Phyrexian Tower is a, a jumpstart card as well, which is, yeah, it's a legendary land. You tap it, add a colorless two uh, mana pool, or you can tap, sack a creature and add black, black. So. It's another sacrifice outlet for either your own stuff or when you claim the firstborn, your opponent's stuff, you've got another sack outlet, but you're also getting mana out of it as well. So, uh, yeah, it ramps you up a little bit because you are playing Bolus' Citadel, which, same thing, we've seen it in standard. So it's not really that different to the standard deck. I have saw today someone saying that they've been playing Jund Sacrifice, which is almost exactly the standard deck and having a lot of success with it, so... I'm pretty keen to to give one of those a go, and if you've played standard at all in the last year, <laughs> you've, yeah. you've seen two years almost. You've seen that seen that deck plenty of times. Uh, anything else we think people should be aware of? Vampires. Yep. Mono black vampires. Um, there is a card that's come out in M21 called Silver Smoked Ghoul. It is a three mana three one. But it says, at the beginning of your instep, if you gain three or more life this turn, returned Silver Smoked Ghoul from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Which Wombo combos very nicely with Sorin Imperious Bloodlord, which has a plus one ability that says, you may sacrifice a vampire. When you do, it deals three damage to any target and you gain three life. Ta-da! Right. So, you, you sacrifice a Silver Smoked Ghoul, it deals three, you gain three, instep it comes back. So, once they have those two cards on the board... And because Sauron is plussing every time, it starts on four, it goes to five. You need to have a way to interact with it. Plus, they're doing other things as well. So Running Vito, yeah? The, some of them are, some of them yeah. aren't. Some you'll okay. see are running like exquisite blood for like a combo finish. But a lot yeah. of them are just looking to grind, man. They've got like Knight of the Ebon Legions and, you know, they're playing yeah. um, like Champion of Dusk and Gifted Aetherborn and stuff. So, um, aggressive, but also can grind quite well. So... Um, I love the idea of just recurring lightning helix. I knew you would. I'm all about that. Okay, forget everything I said about Gruul. I'm on the vampires train, man. (laughs) Yeah, mono black. uh, Yeah, vampires. So, look, again, a a little bit slower. um, But, yeah, if they can get that kind of engine going, it can be um, difficult to deal with. Yeah. Yep. And that's that's what I was saying before. Like, there's... In this format, there's going to be a ton of random decks like that. Like, I'd never even heard of that deck, and I'm looking at all the yeah. lists and things that we've got, and nothing is talking about Mono Black Vampires. Sorry, so. <laughs> I just I just thought of it then. I went yeah. looking for the details. So there's, there's going to be some spice. And if, if you've got a deck that you think is funky, it can't hurt to give it a go. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, you've probably got some spare gold lying around, and you never know, you spike it, and then you can figure out what to play on day two. So, are you, like, are you guys all intending on actually playing this? No. Not not at all. Not even going to give it one go. I haven't got the gold. Okay, don't have the gems. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it all a the gems. Spin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'm not sure. It's uh, honestly um depends how my weekend pans out this time. Yeah, I'm a little bit less excited this time than I was previously. But I think the event will be great. Like if you if you can, 
it ran really smoothly because it was all in client. So yeah, yeah like, very easy to play. Y- y- you'll have a good time, but just be prepared to, you know, sign up and lose twenty thousand gold in a couple of minutes. <laughs> Seriously, because it, it it's it's it feels like it's getting closer to like pioneer and modern territory than standard. Yeah. Yep. Which is good. I like the fact that it's different enough from standard. There 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 are a lot of different decks and things, but it's it's very linear. Yep. Well, we were saying before the cast, you know, I I haven't been playing very much at all. I've kind of I'm a bit flat on standard at the moment. So, you know, I uh, I lost a couple of ranks and I haven't been winning a lot. And there's not a deck in standard that I um, am really enjoying. That I'm not in love with. So, um, if that is the the situation you find yourself in, then you know another format would be good. I've been waiting for draft to be for gold. I'm not even sure if it has been because I uh, haven't looked. But, um, you know, maybe just um, jamming some vamps or some uh, some, some gruel in, in a different format might be what I need to, you know, freshen up. So I'll give it a, I'll give it a spin. And if I, if I don't do well, then, you know, you know, I've lost some gold, but if I, if I do do well, then it's, uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a good day still. So yeah, still going to play some magic. So. And you, you've got a pretty long time frame to, to fit the your games in on the, the Sunday. You know, you it starts at 1 a.m. Obviously, you're not going to get up at 1 a.m. and play, but if you get up at your normal time, you've still got till 9 p.m. on Sunday to, to fit your games in, and, and you can space them out throughout the day as well. So I'm keen to give it a go. I've got enough gold to do it once. I, I used my massive stash of gold on the last time the last Same. arena opened. <laughs> so I've got enough to do it once and I'll probably, I've got some gems banked up. I'll probably give it one go with gems unless I uh, get there on my first go with some gold. So that, yeah, that's that's two runs that I'll do and I'll, I'll likely just stream it and uh, and do it all in one go. And I think I'll start with either the, the Rakdos Sack or the Jun Sack. I'll, I'll figure out which one of those I want to play. And if that doesn't work and I'm not having fun, I'll probably just jam some mono red. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to burn a ton of wild cards just to just to play in this, but it, it was a good event last night, last time. So definitely give it a go, and yeah, good good luck to everybody out there who's playing in it. So I think that's going to do us for this week. We will wrap everything up now. Uh, we've started to go a little bit long, so hopefully you got something out of that episode, and uh, it'll give you a few pointers for for the historic open this weekend. Yeah, just make sure you uh, you get all your league matches done as soon as you can. You do still have plenty of time, but we'd like you to get them done quickly if if possible. Uh, if you want to join our future leagues, you can do that by coming and joining us in our Discord. We've we did almost the whole podcast a few weeks ago about how good our Discord is, <laughs> just pumping it up. <laughs> so uh, yeah, if if you're not in there, make sure you come and join that. You'll find the link to that in our show notes or on our Twitter or on our Facebook. Really good community in there, and it's yeah, it's definitely going off now that we've got so many people playing in this league. Uh, we have our merch store. If you want to pick up some sweet beans, gear, hoodies, t-shirts, mouse pads, it's that giant oversized mouse pad thing that you can get now for your your keyboard and your mouse, ga- gaming mouse pad or whatever. Uh, yeah, you can you can go and pick up some of that sort of stuff, and that helps to obviously support our podcast as well, and lets us keep doing what we do. So the link for that is in the show notes. And the other people that are helping us keep what, keep doing what we're doing, man, I've, uh, we've gone too long and now I've forgotten how to talk, is uh, Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. So, yeah, Chewy mentioned them at the start of the podcast. Massive shout-out to those guys. Go and find them on Facebook and uh, check out all their daily auctions. You can find us everywhere. Just search for Magic Beans Cast on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. 
Just uh, search for Magic Beans Cast, find us and follow us on those places. If you want to find me, I am at Peace Inc. on Twitter. Chewy, you are? At Chewy MTG. And Cracker? At Joel Hill underscore. Stu? At M Stewy. Very good. So that's going to do us for this week. Thank you as always for listening. Stay safe out there and we will see you next time. Bye.